always blessed by your presence. Well, I don't think it's any secret that I'm about ready to preach the word of the Lord to you today. Amen. It, it goes without saying that I'm really overjoyed to see my son and his girlfriend today in church. Zach and Caitlin, blessed today not to say that for the sake of their embarrassment, but to let them know how thankful I am. They came to the house of the Lord. There have been enough uh, word presented this morning from our Sunday school lesson and enough of uh, ministry that went forth in the song that we could go home saying we've been to church. But Paul said, I'm ready to preach to you. Today I'm ready to preach to this group of people. Thank God for his goodness that has spared us to come. If you'll stand, I want to read a couple verses in the word of the Lord in your hearing. Hallelujah. Found in the gospel according to St. Matthew. The gospel according to St. Matthew. Can we back up to the 16th verse, honey? I know that 18 is displayed there, but can we, can we back up to verse number, verse number 16 and proceed from there? Because something real important has taken place up to this point in the scriptures. You know, Jesus had selected 12 disciples. Brother James, he, Jesus himself, he, he didn't conduct interviews, didn't ask for resumes. But Jesus just picked 12 disciples. Men from all walks of life, all different kinds of backgrounds. Some of them fishing. And Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. And the word of the Lord said, straightway they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus had a powerfully impactful influence, didn't he? He had a wonderful, wonderful influence on the lives of people. Backing up to verse 16, I, I, I said all that to make this note. That at this particular address, there were only 11 disciples. Because one had already betrayed him. So if you have verse 16 in the word of the Lord, it reads as such, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Remember now, Jesus has already been crucified. He's already resurrected from the dead. And he's already spent over a month on the earth after the resurrection okay and verse number 18 says and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth so go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age Amen. May the Lord add his blessing 
to his written word. You, let us pray. God, how we thank you again for physically enabling us the health and strength to be found in this house of worship. It's nothing we've done, but all because of you. Now, Lord, we need the anointing, the anointing that makes preaching easy and even listening pleasant. It's our desire today that your word would go forth, bring change to the body of believers, salvation to the lost, restoration to the hurt and weak. Lord, whatever you do among us, we promise to give you glory. In Jesus' name, God's church said amen. Amen. You might be seated in the Lord's presence. Many of you will remember that several weeks ago, we launched a series on the three biggest questions or the three greatest questions um, in, in life. We call them the three M's. Anybody remember that? Number one was, who's your master? Remember that? And then second, we use this passage of scripture as, as, as kind of the, the foundation of the second message, which was what is your mission? What's your mission? And then thirdly, this blessed me that even some young folks said that I need, a, I need an audio copy of that message. Anybody remember what the third message in the series was? Choosing a godly mate. Okay? The three M's. Who's your master? What's your mission? And choosing a godly mate. We use this same passage of scripture to drive home the second message in that series. And it's amazing that being involved in church, we look at it as some great thing. A lot of, you, you talk to a lot of people and they say, I'm in the church. You hear that statement sometimes? I'm, I'm in the church. But I want to tell you that being involved in church is not enough. Showing up for church, it's not enough. You see, because showing up here a couple of times a week and getting excited over some messages that the pastor preached that moved us, it's just not enough. Why would I make that point? It's because these verses tell us what's expected of us. This is Jesus speaking to the then 11 remaining disciples. That group of guys that with the help of God and the teaching of Jesus turned the world upside down. And Jesus was instructing these guys, Brother Charlie, to do what? Go into all the world. It's amazing that God chose the Hebrew people to be the vehicle that would launch the gospel to the world. He didn't choose them because they were the greatest because they had all the finest resources. But God chose them because they were the least among the nations. What an honor to be chosen by God to take the gospel message to the world. And Jesus challenges this core group of followers. They are known as disciples, later apostles, Somebody said, well, I don't understand. You're going to have to bring me up to speed. 
What's the difference between a disciple and an apostle? Because they're the same guys, aren't they? They are. They're the same guys. But the word disciple means a student or a pupil. Uh, the dictionary says a disciple is one who accepts and assists in the spreading of the doctrines of another. The word apostle means messenger or minister. And how many of you know before that you can be an apostle, you got to be a disciple? You need to be a follower of Jesus before you can become a messenger or minister of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I heard, a, I heard a local preacher say this one time. You, you, you probably never heard him say it. But I heard a local preacher say, all Christians go to heaven. But disciples bring others with them. Yeah. I thought that was a, a well-rounded statement. A Christian goes to heaven. It's our faith that all born-again believers in a existing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ when separated from this present life they go to heaven to be with God can Harvest Church say amen? amen well then would it be safe to say that a disciple of Jesus his mission is to bring others along how many disciples have I in this room today I say how many disciples of Jesus Christ have I in this room today I'm trying to help you how many disciples of Jesus Christ do I have in the Harvest Church congregation on today. We are all followers of Jesus. We're all disciples. Not all of us are apostles because some aren't called to the office of ministry. Well, this is better preaching than you're responding. But I'm going to move on. I love what Dr. Tony Evans said discipleship was. Dr. Tony Evans is the first African American to graduate from the Dallas Theological Seminary School. And he is a well-known pastor, speaker, Arthur, radio and television broadcaster. He pastors in Dallas, Texas, the Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. You may have heard his radio program, The Urban Alternative. I love Dr. Tony Evans' definition of the word discipleship. Here's what Dr. Evans says. Dr. Evans said discipleship is the developmental process that progressively brings Christians from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity so that they are able to reproduce the process with someone else. Isn't that a great definition of discipleship? So I want to ask us today, why did Jesus offer us the gift of salvation for us to sit on it and do nothing with it? Or for us to make other disciples. That's why he charged them with the great commission. The, the com commission means the ascending. The great sending. The great commission. Go into all the world, Jesus said. So that means outside these four walls. That means in the county, in the state, in the country, in the world. Is what Jesus is challenging us to do as believers. So I'm, I'm saying that to say this. Whether we're at home or work, church, whether we're in a volunteering or a mentoring capacity, we should build our lives around discipling others to be more like Jesus.
And the church should say amen. We should build our lives around discipling others to be more like Jesus. Uh, well, you might ask me, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? Dictionary.com says, is a person who is a pupil or an adherent to the doctors of another. Another definition is any follower of another person could be classified as a disciple. And the word disciple derives from the Latin word disciplus, the same word we get discipline. Who, amen, likes discipline. Not many people I know like discipline because discipline can often result in punishment. But this is where the word disciple derives from. Amen? Also deriving from that word is the word that means training expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior, especially that of mental or moral improvement. It goes without saying then, saints of God, that as disciples, we are followers of Jesus. How many followers of Jesus have I in the building today? Oh, man, you didn't have any idea you'd get to participate this much in the sermon. But today, all of us are disciples. If we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, all of us support the doctrine and or adhere to the ministry and teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that, is, am I safe? Am I, am I in a safe zone there? I pray to God we weren't promoting somebody else's doctrine saying we're in a relationship with Jesus because that would be a negative but as followers of Jesus Christ, we are promoting the teachings and or doctrine or ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Uh, because I believe it's our whole heart's desire to be like Jesus. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Now, we want to be like Jesus up to the point where he's crucified. We want to be like Jesus up to the point where he's ridiculed and scorned, up to the point where he's spat upon, up to the point where he has hair plucked from his beard and a crown of thorns placed on his head. We want to be just like Jesus up to the point that we don't have to suffer any physical setbacks. But I heard Jesus say through another writer of the Old Testament, amen, the Bible said all scriptures given by inspiration of God. I mean, nobody could just conjure this book up and write it in, in, in its uh, entirety. They had to be inspired by God. I heard him through another writer say, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But all too often we want this life that's free from heartache, free from pain, free from care. Let me tell you something, friend. Not only were we baptized into the newness of life in Jesus Christ, but we've also been baptized into his sufferings. Also, baptized into the sufferings of Jesus Christ. So how many followers of Jesus have I at Harvest Church today? We're all disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what this involves. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to be in a current relationship with Jesus. It's not saying that we are a Christian, but being a Christian. Oftentimes, we debase or degrade the word Christian. 
The word Christian means Christ-like or to be like Christ. I might get in trouble for this one. A lot of y'all like to watch Steve Harvey. I might get in trouble for this one. I said this in Wednesday evening Bible study. Uh, when, when Steve said that a lady in the audience didn't look too happy and he approached her and upon approaching her, he asked if she was not liking the show. She said, not really. His response was, why? And then she said, because I'm disappointed in you. I thought you were a Christian. He said, I am. She said, but not the way you use profanity. And he said, listen, we're all flawed. We all are scarred people. We all make mistakes. I'm just a cussing Christian. That's what he said. And I said, my God from heaven, the millions of people that would chime in and listen to that and accept what Steve has said. This is the God's loving truth. I have no problem with Steve Harvey. I have no problem with any celebrity or any person of celebrity status. I have no problem with Ellen DeGeneres. I have no problem uh, with Oprah Winfrey. I have no problem with any of those people until, glory to God, they get the word of God twisted. And when they get the word of God twisted, I don't care how huge your humanitarian efforts have been. I can't help if you gave a thousand people in the TV audience a brand new car. I got a problem with you. I got a problem. Uh, because I remembered what Paul said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And the old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So in essence, if we would have entertained that conversation way too long, we would have left that show thinking that we could cuss like we used to. Some of you do anyhow. Hallelujah. Let me just go ahead and fix it. I tore it up. Let me fix it. I want to tell you, glory to God, that if there's been no change, there's been no salvation. I want to tell you if you don't walk different, if you don't talk different, if you don't have a holy glow about you, I want to tell you, glory to God, if you, if you haven't quit going to the places you used to go, if you haven't quit doing the things you used to do, if you haven't quit saying the things you used to say, then nothing has transpired. Amen. You made a mistake. Glory to the Lamb of God. There's no such thing as a cussing Christian. Brother Buddy Locklear, God bless his soul, he'd say, you got a problem, babe. You've got a problem. Paul said, if I rebuild again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Listen, if, the, if there would have been no sin, we would have needed no Savior. Y'all ain't listening to me, but I'm, I'm telling the truth, glory to God. It's the word of God that says in 1 John, amen, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Brother Arbus talked this morning about willful sin, intentional sin versus uh, the flip side of that. What does that mean? You mean you can sin and not realize you've sinned? Listen, you can break laws that you didn't even know were laws. Is that a sin? Y'all ain't nodding one way or the other. Come on, give me something. Praise the Lord. If you break something that you doesn't even know is a law, is that wrong? Sure it is. But now on the flip side of that coin, willfully intending to sin is a whole nother ball game. Oh my. 
Help me, somebody. One lady told me, said, after I came to know Jesus, I couldn't sin no more. I was like, hold on just a second. It didn't mean that we didn't have the ability to sin. It just meant that we wouldn't have the desire to. Somebody ought to help the preacher preach today. What I'm trying to say is, if we're going to be a disciple, if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, it involves being in a relationship with him. It involves being in a relationship with Jesus. And why do we follow Jesus? Because we want to be like him. Isn't that why we follow Christ? Because we want to be like Jesus. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. Look what it says. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Somebody got it in the, in the King James Version? It says, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that a pretty bold statement for Paul to make? No, 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 not at all. A lot of people would think, Brother James, that Paul is actually boasting right there. But Paul isn't boasting in this statement. Paul isn't bragging that he has lived some exemplary life. Paul isn't saying, look at me, I'm different than everybody. That's not what Paul is saying whatsoever. That's not what Paul is saying. Well, what is Paul saying? Paul understood that at this time the Gospels had not yet been written. Had they? The Gospels had not yet been written. The believers in that church at Corinth didn't have access to the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They had not yet been written. They didn't know Jesus. Help me, brother. You, you want to help me so bad I can see it all in you. You feel like preaching today, don't you? Praise God. They were not familiar with Jesus. Why? Because the Gospels had not yet been written. So what was Paul doing? He was giving them an example so that they could be better acquainted with the person that Jesus Christ really was. Hallelujah. Gypsy Smith, many of you won't know Gypsy Smith. You think it's a woman. It's not. It's a man. His name is Rodney Gypsy Smith. I said this last weekend. It bears repeating. What did, what did, what did Gypsy Smith say? Well, he was a British evangelist. He was one of the earliest members of the Salvation Army. Okay? And here's what Gypsy Smith said. He said, there are five Gospels. Y'all remember that last week? There are five Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. That's what Gypsy Smith said. And Gypsy goes on to say this, that most people will never read the first four. What is that saying to us? Hello? What is that saying to us? If, if there are five gospels, the Christian being the fifth gospel, and most people will never read for exactly what does this mean? It means that people might be illiterate in the physical sense. It might mean that they wouldn't know their name if they saw it on a billboard. But they can read you. They can read me. 
Praise God. What's Gypsy Smith saying? He's saying people may not have the ability. They may be physically illiterate, not having the ability to read or write. But I'll tell you this. They can look at our lives. They can observe us enough to know whether we're who we say we are. How many sinner folk have you witnessed to lately? And these were the first words that came out of their mouth. Well, so-and-so said they're in the church. And if they're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. That's a bad representation. What are you trying to say, Pastor Terry? What I'm saying is, is they haven't been a good disciple of Jesus Christ. Now listen, you can be the best at your craft that you can be, but you are still going to have your critics. Am I right? It doesn't matter if you're the greatest person that ever picked up a tennis racket. Somebody's going to still find flaws in your game. Hello? You can be the best person that ever took uh, their position behind center on a football team. But somebody's still going to pick you apart. They call Tom Brady the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Isn't that right? They say that's what GOAT stands for, G-O-A-T. Brandon, I know you're licking at the chops over there right now. You're like, yeah, he's the man, Tom Brady. But there are still folks who are going to pick him apart. There are still folks that are going to tell the truth. Hello? So it doesn't matter how close to God you try to live, there are still folk going to find fault in you. But let me tell you this. In the end, it's not going to matter what folks have to say. In the end, what's going to matter is how close a life, how close a relationship uh, we've lived with Jesus Christ. Amen. In the end, we're going to receive our eternal reward. It won't be here in this life for anyone to gloat over, but when we get to heaven, we're going to be rewarded. Every man according to the deeds he's done in his own flesh. You can't get mine. I can't have yours. But we're going to each receive our own just reward. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a student. I'm a, I'm a pupil. I'm a follower. I'm one who actively accepts and assists in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ministry, the message, the doctrines of Jesus Christ to others. Gentleman told me one time on my job, he said, he said Pastor, I, I, I mean, I got to say I've gotten pretty close to you, so I, I admire your walk. I know you know that I, you know, I'm in the nation of Islam, he says. I was like, okay. He says, but we're, our fates are pretty similar. I said, yeah, what way? And he said, well, y'all have God and we have Allah. Yeah. And we got Muhammad and you got Jesus. I said, hold it right there. Hold it right there. Because we are not similar. And I gave him a Bible. And when I gave him a Bible, he said it had a lot of good reading in it. And then he came back to me and he said, I've read a lot up about the man Jesus. And then he said he was a good man. I said, whoa, glory to God. What? Hallelujah. I said, no, 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 sir. Jesus Christ was not just a good man. Let me say to you, Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God, amen, that went to the grave for the sins of mankind, that on the third day,
He arose just like he said. Oh, Muhammad died too. I said, hold on just a minute. You can go to the tomb of Muhammad and what you're going to find are remnants of his remains. But they tell me that early in the morning, on the first day of the week, them women went running to the tomb. Glory to God to see the place where Jesus lay. No, 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 no. Jesus is not like your Mohammed because the word of the living God said on the third day morning, he got up just like he said, amen. No, 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 no. He is not like Mohammed. His name is Jesus, glory to God. The son of the living God. Whoa, glory to God. I feel like preaching now. Praise the Lord. What are you talking about? I'm trying to tell us there is a distinct difference in any other human being than there is in the Son of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Well, the soldiers, they conspired. Somebody stole him in the night. Listen, I believe he got up like he said. I believe he got up like he said. The Bible said when them, went, them women went running, there were two. There were some angels in white apparel. And they met them on the way. Anybody recall what the angel said? I know. The angel said, I know who y'all came seeking. I know, ladies, who you're looking for. But he's not here. He has arisen just like he said. Somebody said, you believe that? You better believe I believe that. Glory to God. And I believe, Sister Fuquay, that with the same power that Jesus got out of that tomb, I believe that Sister Grace and Mother Mitchell, glory to God, are going to have the same power. Amen. With the trumpet of God's sound, I believe they're going to have that same resurrection power that will summon them from the grave, amen, to meet the Lord in the air. Y'all get sad about it all you want to, but they're going to beat us there. I said they're going to beat us home. Amen. Didn't Paul say to those believers, the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. Brother Charlie, then we that are alive and remain. He said we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to have to be changed. We can't see God like this. I said, we're going to have to be changed. We cannot see God like this. Because we're mortal. And flesh and blood shall not inhabit the kingdom of heaven. We're going to have to be changed. I got to hurry. I got to move on. You see, what, exactly what does gypsy mean? What, what, what does gypsy mean? Folk may never read the gospels. They can read us. They can read our lives. Don't get discouraged because somebody told somebody else that if you were a Christian, that they were. Don't, don't get excited over that. It ought to encourage us to do better. I said it ought to encourage us to do better. Praise the Lord. It's a lot of folk in relationship with Jesus Christ ain't never got delivered from bathroom words. It's a lot of folk that think it's okay to say them little three and four letter words. I call it toilet talk. 
When babies are doing the gibberish and jabberish stuff, you know, we, we, we call that babbling and we call that, you know, other things. But listen, a, a saint of God using three and four letter words, that's toilet talk. And it ought not be named amongst us as become its saints. Well, the Lord saved me good now, preacher, but he didn't deliver. That's a bunch of hogwash. You don't cuss? No, I don't cuss. No. I have made the mistake of repeating things that people said to me right back at them until the Lord told me to stop. They'd call me names and I'd say, oh, I'm one of them. I stopped. It's not like Jesus. I said, it's not like Jesus. I told my children when they were small, I said, what you see me do, you can do. What you hear me say, you can say. They can say some awful stuff they ain't never heard me say. Praise God. People will never read the four gospels, but they'll read us. So what does that mean? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, the Jesus Sermon on the Mount. It takes on it this nature. What nature is that? It takes on Christ's intent and his nature when he presents the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking to who right here? The world or Christians? He's not going to tell the world they're the salt of the earth. Hello? He's talking to believers. And Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus talking to believers, saints, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before me that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to you and I. He's talking to believers from all ages. Right? Because to see a life is to read a life. Preach, Pastor. To see a life is to read a life. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. What message are we as Christians broadcasting to the world? Didn't Jesus say to those guys, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, is it of any more value? No, it's no good. You're the light of the world. But if you are lit and then you place a basket over it, what good is the light? It's no good at all. So I ask this question again. What messages are we as Christians broadcasting to the world? Can I help us? 
We should be projecting Jesus Christ in all that we say and everything we do. Isn't that right? Now hold on just a minute, Pastor. You know Christian folk can throw this here stuff at you. If they don't remember nothing else in the Bible, they remember these two verses. You ready? Jesus was angry, but he didn't sin. Here's another one. They remember. If I slap you on one side of your face, you're supposed to turn to me the other cheek. Christian folk can't remember that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. They can't remember Romans 5 and 8, but God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. They can't remember that, but they can remember if I slap you, you turn your other cheek. Am I right? You can't, you can't, you can't dwell on that stuff. You can't get overwhelmed with the fact that when they went to Sunday school, well, they probably didn't go to Sunday school. They probably went to vacation Bible school. You know, because people get treats at vacation Bible school. You know, most people only come to church when they cook. And give out snacks. Preach, preacher. You want to set an attendance record, invite somebody to homecoming. If you cook it, they will come. <laughs> well, we ought to have homecoming every month. If it's going to bring people to the house of God, y'all think that's comical. I'm not laughing. I'm serious. We're supposed to go on the highways and byways and compel them to come. Are we not disciples of Jesus? Are we not followers of Jesus Christ? Yes, we are. Then at all costs, we ought to win the lost. Praise the Lord. Preach on, preacher. Preach on. Jesus wanted in this passage of Scripture in Matthew 5, he wanted to show his disciples how a Christian distinguishes his life in the presence of an observant world so that a non-believer could change. And in turn, he could give his life to God. Wouldn't that honor God? That someone else could be brought to salvation by reading our life? Hallelujah. Now for the sad news. As a pastor, I have never birthed any sheep. Who births sheep? Who? Who? Sheep birth sheep. It doesn't matter how big the church is, how influential a speaker is. It doesn't matter how articulate they are. It doesn't matter if the worship is off the charts. Who grows the church? Sheep. God blesses those believers. In turn, their example their life, their testimony, their witness expands the church. Somebody say hallelujah. 
So, Pastor, what does that mean? It means that we can't say one thing and do another. It means the whole world is watching. And if we are a child of God, they're reading our lives. So we need to be who we say we are. And it draws others into relationship with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Romans 12 too. I'm trying to hurry. Let's look at Romans 12 and 2. What is Romans 12 and 2? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Conform means take the shape of or have the appearance of. Somebody said this about harvest not long ago. I mean, we just going crazy around here. We got them lights. Next thing you know, we'll have smoke machines and a disco ball. Can I let y'all in on a little secret? Stuff gets back to the preacher. Some of you can't hold water. So somebody told you not to tell it, and you told it. And all Harvest Church needs to do now is get a fog machine and one of those spinning disco lights and we'll be just like the club. A hallelujah. If it'll bring people to the house of God, we'll get two of them. Hallelujah, saints of God. Truth of the matter is we don't like change and we're going to voice our opinion because it only matters to us. Because I can hurry up and tell you right now, it doesn't matter to me. Whatever God tells me to do is what I'm going to drive home. And if it means I got four and no more, let the church roll on. Amen. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want to do. I want to leave something for the next generation. Some folk are so caught up with them being taken out of everything that they're not wanting to leave or have a desire to leave anything for the next generation. That is so sad. That's not in my notes. I just threw that one in for free. But God help us that we're so selfish that everything that has to be done at church revolves around us. Everything we do ought to revolve around Jesus. And Jesus would say that I'm long-suffering and I'm patient and I'm not willing that any should perish, that, but that all should come to repentance. Praise the living God, somebody. I wouldn't want a worst enemy to go to hell, but I want everybody to go to heaven. How about it with you, saint of God? Do you want everybody to go to heaven? So what, what, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? One who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines, ministry, or teaching of another. How many disciples of Jesus have I got in here tonight? Excuse me, today. But I want to tell you, becoming a disciple doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Somebody say it's a process. It's a process. If I were throwing out $100 bills, I couldn't be heard for y'all. Y'all are so lethargic today. What's up? Somebody say process. Thank God. 
Y'all are a light. We cannot make disciples of others until we are spiritually developing ourselves. That's impossible. We cannot make disciples of others until we are spiritually developing. For understanding that we're maturing, how do we mature? We mature through reading God's word, listening to the Holy Spirit, examining our thoughts, our actions, and our words, comparing them to Scripture, we mature by loving others through our actions. Every one of these things assist us as believers. They assist us in what? Becoming a Christian that glorifies God. What a bless you is when you're hundreds of miles away from the Bible Belt, which is right here where we live. There are more churches here per square mile Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of churches in other places, too. But in the Bible Belt, there, people pass through here and say, Good Lord, man, there ought not be nobody sitting at home on Sunday morning. Y'all got a church on every corner. I promise you, I promise you, you're not going to go too far a distance that you don't see a church in this county. You can be on the back road somewhere. And you're not going to go too far and you'll see a church. Am I right, saints of God? This is the truth. There shouldn't be anybody sitting at home in that county on Sunday morning. As many churches as we got. You know the truth is there are enough unsaved people in this county that all the churches in it could be filled up. And there'd still have to be more built. Why is it then that we don't see that? Why is it that that's not our focus? I'm talking about discipleship, becoming a disciple. Because we're concerned about me, myself, and I. That's sad. That's sad. To be a disciple of Jesus, you have to possess certain qualities. What are qualities? Traits, attributes. Certain parts about our character. Everybody with me? One of the most important qualities that we can possess is that of developing an intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Hundreds of miles away from here, stepping on a public transportation system, when somebody you don't even know looks at you and says, Praise God. You are a believer. And you're looking around like. And the next words out of the person's mouth are, there are not that many in this region of the world. Wow. Really? I would be completely out of my element if I didn't enjoy the fellowship of other believers. Because I've been exposed to it my whole life. I wouldn't even know how to act if I were not in a place where I could enjoy, Brother James, the fellowship of other believers. I wouldn't know how to act. 
Because all I've ever known is the association of the body of Christ. Thank God my parents took me to church. And it wasn't a suggestion. It was a mandate. No, they didn't walk in the bedroom. You going to church today, baby? No. Well, my daddy woke everybody up in that house on Sunday morning. He'd say, it's time for church. And everybody's feet hit the floor. So one of the most important qualities we can possess is that of an intimate relationship with Christ. Here's what's sad. What's sad is that most of us has exchanged making disciples for making good churchgoers. I mean, honestly, you can ask folk today, are you in a relationship with Jesus? And here's what will come out of their mouth. I go to church every Sunday. And they don't forget to tell you the next thing. And I pay my tithe. You don't have a tithe. The tithe belongs to God. I pay the Lord's tithe would be the correct response. But folk don't have any problems saying, I'm in the church. Center people say, I'm in the church. Don't they? Why do they say that? Because they don't understand what it is to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't understand that just coming to church, being a part of church, does not make you a Christian. Am I right? Brother Khan, I, I talk to people all the time, and here's what they tell me. They tell me this about great speakers and, and, and different evangelists and preachers and so forth. And this is honestly, Brother Chance, their mindset, this is how they feel. Well, I went down there and shook their hand, and he saved me. What? Have you ever heard it? I've heard that. That's the farthest thing from the truth. The power to save is, is only in one man. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. Well, preacher, how can people make that mistake? Because no one has enlightened them. Because no one has been truthful with them. It's not going to hurt us to be truthful. Yeah, but I won't be accepted. Listen, if you're accepted by Christ, you can't be rejected by anybody else. Just be truthful with folks. Yeah, I get told on my job all the time. I don't want to hear that Jesus junk. Don't talk to me about that mess. That's what I say. But does that discourage me from sharing Jesus? No. I'm going to share Jesus because the world needs Christ. Musicians are coming. Sad truth is that most of us have exchanged making disciples for making good churchgoers. Many church leaders... Focus on numbers instead of spiritual growth. That is so sad. Go to the coffee shop on Monday morning. Man, we had 250 in church yesterday. I don't keep score. I just want to be faithful with who God entrusts to me. If it's 50 or 5,000, I want to be faithful. Let's look at Matthew 16. 24 through 27. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. This is Jesus again. Red letter edition. This is Jesus. Oh, now, you might, 
You might want to tighten your bootstraps here. You there? Matthew 16, 24, the words of Jesus. Then said Jesus to his disciples, not to the world, not to the unchurched, but to his followers, his students. Then said Jesus unto them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Who said that, class? Jesus said that. Jesus said that. Do you realize this is one of the most famous exhortations, one of the famous appeals or encouraging words of Jesus Christ outlined in the scriptures? Because what does it do? It outlines the qualities of a disciple of Christ in about the most clearest presentation found in all the scriptures. Can I tell you something? It's going to cost us to be a follower of Jesus. I said it's going to cost us to be a follower of Jesus. Stand with me all over the building. Come on, let's stand all over the building. It's going to cost us to be a follower of Christ. But I do want to say this. The cost of discipleship is only exceeded by a greater reward. Can somebody say amen? The cost of discipleship is exceeded by an even greater reward. And it's sad that many people are still illiterate, but they can read us. They can read us. Discipleship equips you and I with the Word of God. It equips us with prayer, with doctrine, with encouragement. It equips us with worship and with service. So I want to challenge the Harvest Church today in this. Let's make disciples of others. This should be at the very center of all that we do. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's sad that many churches have neglected Jesus' mandate. So I want to I, I ask us, are we playing church? Or are we fulfilling our charge to equip and disciple other people? For it all starts with you and I. All starts with you and I. The altar of God is open if you need to come today. Anyone under the sound of my voice that would need to come. The order of the living God is open. 
How many lost under my voice are in this room right now that would be bold enough to raise their hand? I'm praying for you. Come on. Don't be ashamed. God bless you. God bless these hands. How many are ready to go for Jesus? How many are ready to go make disciples of others? Glory to God. God bless these hands. How many saints of God in this building right now listening to this word? How many of you want to do more than you've ever done before? Let me see those hands. How many want to do more than you've ever done before? And how many understand the cost of discipleship? That it's going to cost us to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But with the help of God, we will do everything in our power to fulfill that great commission. I'm praying for you, especially the hands that I saw ascend toward the heavens. Again, the altar of the Lord, the altar of God is open. If you need to come, if you need to come, come on. 